much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. My name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. Do you want a chocolate? I could eat about a million and a half of these. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Dr. Hayes, today is Friday, June 24th, 2022. Today is Friday, June 24th, 2022. And I shared that clip from Forrest Gump, one of my favorite lines. My mama always said that life is like a box of chocolates. I've almost eaten a whole box of chocolates, lint chocolate gourmet truffles that are delicious after hearing the United States Supreme Court overturn Roe v. Wade. You just never know what you are going to get. Come on while I eat me a piece of chocolate. Talk to me. Talk to me, Dr. Hayes. I got to eat this chocolate. Well, freedom cannot be taken for granted. I can can tell you that much. Um the liberties that we have been afforded in the past few decades were not guaranteed. And so now all of these things are going to be reversed and that's a fine way to spit. It is the intention to take away all of our rights. And if we don't In the words of (laughs) Donald Trump, if we don't fight, we're going to lose the country that we want to live in. I'm all over the place because, number one, one through 20, I'm just going to say one through 20. This is all encompassing. It's all going to be one point, but I'm going to say one through 20 is this. The issue about humans is when we start granting rights, how dare we? When we set up a system of governance to say who can have and who cannot, whose rights or whatever rights, it sets up this crazy 
begging for human rights, not even civil rights. And the letter of the law in terms of what this country has used as its template for modeling, I don't know, integrity or I don't know what it is, the Constitution. It was not inclusive of anybody other than white men who had wigs on, and they had those wigs that looked like uh, a water buffalo. The magistrate, those wigs, that was to show the power because water buffalo are powerful creatures in the in the animal kingdom. And so they even had these wigs. I learned that when I was in Kenya in 2018. One of the safari uh, leaders was saying, you know, you remember the wigs party. This is what those magistrates had on to, to model the power of the water buffalo. And I said, I'll be damned. You learn something new every day. I was so excited to get that little bit of, of knowledge. But here's the thing. The Constitution. 1770, it was, it was drafted in 1787, the same year that the African Methodist Episcopal Church founders, Richard Allen and Absalom Jones, walked off the uh, uh, church of St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. 1787, slaves were still enslaved in this country because the Emancipation Proclamation was not signed until 1863. Not inclusive in this constitution were the Negro that built this economy, the Native people that they had regulated on reservations, and white women who were part of a Victoria puritanical identity. Come on, Dr. A, talk back with me. Your screen is frozen. I hope you can hear me. I can hear you. Okay. So so we have this, this interesting legalese of the constitution we have people who consider themselves to be constitution constitution lawyers and not even saying this shit didn't even include people yeah i cussed it didn't include white women it didn't include the newly emancipated negro that's why we had these amendments to the constitution that they created the the right to bear arms the freedom of speech why we got to have these rights dr Hayes? why does somebody have to Tell me what my human right is when God created me as I am. And then this is some bullshittery in terms of always hijacking women's reproductive rights. And who it's going to hurt are your poor women. Because rich women will go and have their spa treatments. Be gone. Their baby's going to be gone. If you want to have your white race of people, guess what? Rich white folks ain't going to have your children because you're scared that the country is becoming even more beige because of the miscegenation, this this race, and, you know, uh, this mixing of races. There's no pure right way. So what you doing? And then to have... Clarence Thomas, I'm going to eat my chocolate because I'm getting too excited. Come on, Dr. Hayes, take it away. I'm going to eat this chocolate because you just never know what you're going to get. And I'm trying to not bust another blood vessel in my face. Well, here's here's something that continues to plague my mind is that uh, the gentleman said that the Constitution was divinely inspired. And it just if we if if we assume that's true, we don't have to, but just say we assume that's true. Then the pursuit of life uh, and liberty and happiness is granted to every human being. This when you say human rights, 
I, I'm sure you mean probably maybe more than that, but I think that cap capsulizes the the scope of of human our humanity to have life, to be free, and to be able to do what makes us happy. But why do I have to have a constitution to tell me that? When I am fully human, that God created me as well. This is a response to the oppressive uh, ways of the British, and so as as the founding fathers have pulled away from British rule, um, they decide they want to be uh, they want to live a free life, and they don't want to feel oppressed. But here's the other oxymoron. That's exactly what they did to everybody else. They didn't want to be oppressed, and they ended up oppressing the Indians, the Blacks, now the brown folks coming up from the South. And so this in psychological terms, this is where um, those who have been abused become abusers but somewhere the cycle has to be broken and this is where the light comes in and if the so-called religious people really understood what Jesus was saying then they would not continue to try to live their lives in this way The light of Christ says that we should love each other and that we should want for others what we want for ourselves. And so if we just did that, if we love God, loved each other the way we love ourselves, put our, in other words, be able to put yourself in the place of the other and say, well, If I was that person, this is what would make me happy. And so we complicate things because we don't want people to know that we're doing something dirty. That's what happens when things get complicated. I I agree. When everything everything is really simple, if you let it be simple. (laughs) but then we start complicating things because we don't really want others to have what we have. That's the truth of the matter. We just don't want others to have what we have. And somehow somebody has fooled us into believing that we cannot have what we have if you have it. So let me just say this. I'm going to go all the way back and then I'm going to hit that point that you just raised so those who came on the Mayflower and landed in Plymouth Rock, they were the poor because the monarchy stayed where they were. The aristocrats stayed exactly where they were. So you got your poor vagabond asses on the Mayflower trying to get to a newfound land. And in their mind, I imagine they were they were hopefully imagining a way to not necessarily replicate what they had experienced. As my dad says, taking on the ways of the oppressor, 
But that's how they were socialized. And they saw an opportunity to, to now bring in that hegemony or that domination because that's all that they knew. And so what happens when people have this perception of power, it gets to their ego senses. I don't know what the right kind of psychological terminology is, but they get the damn big head. And I'm cussing, forgive me, this might be ready to ask for people. Um, but anyway, they get the big head. And, and then they, they have to have, because they got to keep their power, they have to have somebody declared powerless. And so the Holy Catholic Church, I can't remember which pope it was. It was Pope John, one of them, sapsuckers, that sanctioned slavery. Yeah, I said it. The Holy Catholic Church was the one who told Christopher Columbus Nam that it was a blessed by the Holy Catholic Church that you can go and human traffic folks and bring them under your authority. That whole system of oppression that was socialized. They they were so caught up in, in what they wanted and aspired to be, salivating at their little redneck mouth, that they couldn't wait to oppress a group of people because they had been oppressed by the inbreeding of the monarchy. These poor folks who had all kinds of syphilis and stuff and bringing them to the native people. Yes, I said it. Bringing these diseases over because they were on that, that May- Mayflower doing all manner of, evil kind of stuff <laughs> and brought the first pandemic to this newfound land and calling the native people savages. And then it had to get the idea of vaccinations from a West African whose slave named him Onesimus. William Colton was his name. He was a Puritan. His congregation gave him a slave as a gift and that they had a smallpox outbreak And Onesimus was like, which means loyal. That's the name that was in, I think, Luke's gospel. He said, all we do is this transdermal application. I don't know what he used the word transdermal. But what he did was rub that infected smallpox on on his skin so that he could build up the natural antibodies. And then Johnson Johnson started that idea. And it finally became part of this whole vaccine stuff that we got going on. So, so, so. These people don't know how to do anything but create systems of oppression. And for 40 years, the strategy of the GOP was to overturn Roe v. Wade. And guess what? Today they succeeded. A 40-year plan. 40-year strategy. Yeah. 40-year plan. It was intentional. While everybody was, the women's rights, ERA was burning bras and all this other kind of stuff. The Negroes was happy to have Voting Rights Act of 1865, and they could repeal it at any time because it's just an act. Congress or the Supreme Court, we know. And then the, and then the, the rainbow coalition of the LGBTQ community were happy with marriage equality in 2015. Guess what? With a stroke of a pen and a revisiting of constitutional edicts that was created in 1787. Dr. Hayes, I don't know anybody that's still alive in 1787. Seemed like to me we need to tear that shit up. 
And come up well, with something for the present reality. Yeah, I think, no I think we need a constitution convention. And where the whole constitution is revised and readopted. Where we don't have to keep going back and renewing stuff. You know, with the, with the threat always hanging over our heads that whatever was decided can be rescinded. But nobody wants to, you know, to let go of the historical. But it doesn't work anymore. And uh, we do the same thing in our church. We want our discipline is archaic. We will not let go of the archaic language because it's some history, whatever history means. If history doesn't teach us, then it doesn't mean much. But it needs to be totally revised. The Constitution should be revised. Let me govern myself. And the rights ought to be permanent. There should be no discussion. (laughs) Discussion about what a high interpret the law and da-da-da-da-da. But here, it's not even about philosophical thinking. It's really about money. We know that. And it's about the plan uh, that's afoot uh, to make the rich richer and the poor poorer and the white whiter. The only problem is white women are not going to have babies if they don't want to. They know they have they they have the resources and and the uh, know how to do whatever they want to do to control their own households. But we it is the the poor people who will not have the financial underfooting uh, to take control of their own destinies, and that's the ones that I weep for. Because I mean, in my stage in life, abortion means nothing to me. I never, I never did embrace abortion, but I believe that people have a right to do what they think they need to do. And I could not see forcing a pregnancy on someone who didn't want to to have a child. Why would you do that, poor child? Um, but that's the way. Men think, men, white men think that way. Uh, what do you call it? linear, linear thinking? And it's, all that's important is what is how they look and, and what, as you said, feeds their egos. And so until we get to the point where we're able to draft our own uh, constitution going forward, they're going to continue to pull back and pull back and pull back and take away until everything is, is totally messed up. They think it's going to be, but you, the thing they're not taking into consideration is you don't make money without little people. And when you keep abusing the little people, and I don't mean little as literally little or of, of little value, I mean, conceptually, with who they think of as people who do not deserve consideration in any of their decision making. But you don't, 
the the one percenters, the ones with all the money. The only reason you they make money is because of the masses of people who work for them for little or nothing. So can I add a little? I want to just say this. I want to. I want this is a little random stuff, and I had to make sure I was saying it uh, correctly. But I want to um, bring up the name of Huey Pierce Long Jr. He was born August thirtieth, eighteen ninety three, and he was assassinated on September tenth, nineteen thirty five. And his nickname was Kingfish. He was an American politician who served as the 40th governor of Louisiana. And he was assassinated. He, he, was, he served the United States Senate uh, from 1932 until he was assassinated. He was the, what they called a left-wing populist member of the, of the Democratic pro, uh, Party. Mm-hmm. And uh, he rose to prominence um, during the Great Depression. As a matter of fact, uh, he was a vocal critic of President uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt and the New Deal, uh, which he said was insufficient. Uh, and he, he kind of grew up, and this is how we're socialized, he grew up extremely poor. Uh, and, um, he worked as a traveling salesman. He, he ran, he was a, ran for governor. He, he lost the campaign. He, he did a whole lot of other good stuff, but this is what, this is the quote that he did. And his, his, he had a great following in terms of, uh, having equity and, and all of that good stuff. But this is his quote and I want to read it to you. I sent it to you the other day. This is what he said, but greed, avarice, and selfishness of the money masters have seized control of all these good things. They let the food rot because the hungry cannot buy it. They let clothes fall to pieces because the naked cannot buy them. They let the walls fall from inside the houses because they rather have people walk in the streets than to have their greed curbed. So in this land of plenty, the decay of humanity is at hand because we have much to do. He was a radical thinker. He lived through the, de- the Great Depression. He wanted equity. We don't have politicians that have that necessarily as their ethos, Dr. Hayes. And if we believe in this whole God of justice and righteousness, the stuff that we're doing in this country, God have mercy on us because it, this empire is doomed to go by way of Alexander the Great, the Romans, the Byzantine, the British, do I need to keep calling a roll? No, that's the cycle. That's the cycle. That's why I'm saying if we don't learn from history, what's the what's the purpose? Uh, and this is what happens to every nation that abuses its its people. And so we see the handwriting on the wall. The question I have is: Are we going to do anything? to try and reverse the course? Or are we just going to let it play out and watch it happen? 
Well, there are some voices that have spoken today that declare that we're going to fight. And I hope that's true. But you know how we get uh, our tunnel vision and we start focusing uh, on our own little situations and we forget the whole community is at risk and that if the community falls apart, we're part of that community. I just hope that the spirit of, of oneness would take hold because if we bind together, it's, we can certainly fix it. But I just, my hope is that we, we're not uh, so taken by capitalism and individualism and um, what, what do you call it? Just no ha- hopelessness. Uh, that we don't have the energy to fight, and that's what it's going to take. Yeah, I'm out of chocolates, Doctor Hayes. Well, stop eating them. I only had the serving size. I didn't eat the whole box. I've been eating them on on them most of the summer, so it's a small box. But I'm glad I saved that because you just never know. Life is like a <laughs> box of chocolates. And it seems like each day we awaken to brand new mercies, we also see brand new mess. Well, I, I think if you look at it on the larger scale, um, this had to happen. Or we would never have reversed the course that we want, which is what the gentleman says, Mr. Long. We were we're taken by greed and avarice and selfishness. And um, if nothing ever arrested us, we would continue on that road, just uh, satisfying our own individual appetites and not caring about our neighbor. And that's what we, you know, I think, it, see, what had been revealed through the uh, epidemic was that people did not there's a certain I won't say all people but there's a certain segment of our population that really doesn't care about anything but themselves and they found a leader that they could follow that thought the same way and I continue to say that's that's 30, 35 percent of our population. But there's 70 percent, which is which is we those who know statistics know that that is a critical mass that can bring about change. If all 70 percent of our citizens began to to link up and take each other's care to heart. We could change the direction of the country. But we have allowed this 1% to rule. And this is what they have done. I think this what God warned Samuel when uh, Samuel said that the people want a king. And he said, well, let, well I'll, I'll let them have a king, but this is what's going to happen. 
They're going to abuse you, mistreat you, take your children and send them to war. They're not going to feed you. And you look up one day and wonder, does anybody care? And so this is today. We're wondering, does anybody care about us? That they would do this to us? No, they don't care. They never did. And they never will. So we have to care about each other. And if we bind together and fight for the rights of the of the the person who is powerless, if we fight to feed those who are hungry, and if we fight to shelter those who are out of doors, God will take our part and we will have the victory in his name or her name, as the case might be. And on that note of hope, we say resoundingly, amen. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.